Morning team, four minutes past five. Anthony will be back with you sometime next week. Lovely day today, actually. It's not tipping down like it was yesterday. And I'm very worried. I'm having these strange dreams. Lisa Snowden. It'll be Johnny Vaughan tomorrow. You watch. I'll wake up tomorrow morning. Johnny Vaughan will be in my dream. I'll be going, what are you doing here? He said, what you dreamt about, Lisa? Why not me? God, I'm not sure I could cope with it. I think I need to go back on tablets. Actually, I'm coming off some tablets. I don't know which ones I'm coming off. Whichever ones it is, I hope they take away the dreams. Because I'm getting odd dreams. I don't like these odd dreams. Because I had Hugh Broom in a dream. I mean, this is most unusual. This is not normal. Hugh Broom's been in one of my dreams. All these odd people. Well, I say odd people. I mean, people who you wouldn't normally expect to be in your dreams pop up in my dreams. So Hugh Broom, who does the travel, if you're a new listener, you'll hear him in a minute. Well, soon. Ten minutes. Well, I don't know. Twelve. Depends how he feels. And he sort of popped up in a dream. I'm fr- Every time I look at him, I think, I wonder if he knows he's been in my dream. I don't know, because I don't like to say anything, do you? Seems a bit churlish and rude. But uh, Johnny, he'd love to appear, Johnny Vaughan, in my dreams. So he did the other night, and then Lisa Snowden pops up. And she's my new bestest friend. I don't know why, I've never met her before in my life. And all of a sudden, she's popping up in dreams. Gold knows what tomorrow's going to bring. Can't imagine. Jenny Barnett, probably knowing my luck. <laughs> It'll be fun, Jenny Barnett. <laughs> anyway, anyway, what a weekend. What a weekend. What a night. What a night. Who would ever have thought the BNP would have got in? Nobody would have thought. Nobody would have thought that. But now, they're in. And uh, all the papers are saying today, <coughs> excuse me, that, uh, that Gordon Brown is doomed. We've all seen uh, Lord Mandelson everywhere, speaking as if he is the Prime Minister now. I can see Lord Mandelson taking over his Prime Minister. It's the one job he would love. Do you know, that, would that be our first gay Prime Minister, if Lord Mandelson gets in? As... Uh, Imagine there was always, yes, the first openly gay, I'm sure there's been a couple of others who haven't been as open. In fact, there was always rumours, weren't there, about, uh, about Edward Heath. And people were saying, he never married, he never did this and never did that. And, but, and even when he died, I remember thinking, would there be a book coming out to say, oh, by the way, big surprise, Edward Heath turned out to be gay. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He was father of the house. I interviewed him twice in his life. And the second time, somebody said to me, when you, I think it was Pete Murray, he said, when you, when you talk to him... Ask him about fish and chips. He loves fish and chips. So I say, oh, Mr Heath, I, I gather you're a, a big fan of fish and chips. Gosh, standard. Bloody awful. So he hated fish and chips. I thought, I'm never asking another question again that somebody else has passed on to me. Big mistake there. Anyway, the good news is <coughs> that we do have the papers. The good news is that we're here to brighten your day. And if you're a podcaster, hello, you're probably listening to this at night. And if you're a normal person, and for that I mean anybody who's listening live at this precise moment, it's going to be a so-so day. I brought an umbrella just on the off chance that it might rain, because yesterday it tipped it down. However, it did not affect the capital summertime ball. A good time was had by all, Johnny and Lisa and everybody else, and, uh, and I didn't go, because it was so wet in the morning, I thought, I've got my little galoshes on, my Paddington Bear galoshes, I've got, got my little Mac... You know, when you're a kid, you have a little Mac. I've still got a little Mac now, and I quite like it. And uh, my little umbrella, and I come in, and Gary, who's on... I can always tell when Gary's on the door, I get heckled halfway up the stairs. I don't even need to get to the top of the stairs where I get heckled by him. And I came in yesterday, and he didn't have a coat with him. I mean, like, you know, I'm his mother. And so I said, did you get wet on the way home? He said, yeah, it was still raining when he left. So he must have left at about uh, 7 or 8 o'clock. But I always know when, when he's on, because I always get abuse when I walk in, which is nice. And then, of course, we had The Apprentice, and uh, Yasmina won. So? Going to change your life? Shouldn't think so. Uh, Kate was uh, tipped to win, Kate Walsh. And uh, she's out now. And I shouldn't imagine, to be honest with you, that Yasmina will go and work for, for Sir Alan, who now appears to be working for the government at the same time. I think you can't do both jobs... You either have one job or the other. 
Who would you like to meet? I love this. I don't know if Anthony did it because I missed the uh, the last bit of the programme. It's uh, who is the person you would most love to meet who is dead? A dead person who he'd mostly... You'd never, I mean, I suppose it seems fairly logical when you look at the list. For example, at number 10, Martin Luther King. This is who you would like to... I don't know who they've asked. No, no idea. Number 9, Freddie Mercury. Number 8, Roald Dahl. 7, Elvis Presley. See, I know people who've met Elvis Presley. Uh, 6, Leonardo da Vinci. I don't know what you'd ask him. Marilyn Monroe at number 5. For, do you reckon you were killed, Marilyn, or do you reckon it was an overdose? What do you reckon, love? Do you reckon you were taken out by the CIA? There was always that rumour, wasn't there? Because she'd had a nice night the night before and then found dead with some pills. I thought, she was murdered. She was absolutely murdered. I mean, there was more, more conspiracy theories running about Marilyn Monroe than anybody else. Albert Einstein, uh, they've got a bit of his brain. Somebody asked for a bit of his brain. And they showed it on the television, but they put it under a microscope. I don't know why I found this programme. And I was sort of half watching it, and this woman goes, we, we were sent four little slivers of his brain to analyse. Ooh, how strange. Number three, William Shakespeare. You'd have to ask, say to it, did you really write that stuff? Or was it Bacon? Come on, be honest. Did you, did you plagiarise it? Number two, Princess Diana. Two people want to meet. I, got, I, I met her. Did I meet her? No, I saw her on numerous occasions in London. Uh, number one, who... who who would you want to meet above all others? Answer, Jesus. I don't know what you'd ask him. I don't know what you'd ask him. So come on, truth, truth time. You know, you'd have to, have to say everything, wouldn't you? Anyway, here's, here's Peter Mandelson, quite a fearsome person. Actually, strangely enough, Andrew Pierce was talking yesterday to Sean Woodward, who defected, as you remember, from the Conservatives to Labour, well, he's under investigation now. No mention of that, strangely, on the programme yesterday, uh, because it's all to do with uh, with a house that he sold and didn't declare little bits and pieces on. So we'll come around to that later. Surprise, surprise, having been told, I told you, I think, two weeks ago, that Dr Hilary Jones's wife has a, a new fella, Stephen Tristram, who's a former Royal Navy captain. Now it turns out that Dr Hilary's got a new squeeze. And apparently he's been seeing her for a little while. She's uh, called Dee Thresher, a mother of two who's a fitness expert and works as a special trainer to celebrities, of course. Don't they all? They all work as special trainers to celebrities, because that's the only way you get any work nowadays. And celebrity, and you ask them and you get, well, who do you work for? Um, celebrities. Well, who? Well, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Anyway, she's been separated from her husband for a year and now they're together as well. It's like swings and roundabouts, isn't it? but we will come round to crop circles. Done by... Actually, I, I was wrong the other day. I'm so sorry. Students. Not all done by students. There are a couple of well-known crop circlers, people who go out there and will make them. But uh, central to all the crop activity, because most of them appear in North Wiltshire. Most of them. I know they appear across the world, but most of the ones in this country are in North Wiltshire. Because it was so funny. I, I, you get this letter in from a barmy, and they're always a bit like that. And they, uh, and they sort of say, oh, of course, you know, many of these appear, you know, in seconds. Well, they don't, of course, as you know. And in fact, if you put a camera on the field, what you would see is a few people with flashlights and a piece of wood, generally a plank, and a piece of rope. And apparently they're actually quite, they're quite easy to do. In fact, somebody says here, because they're all within the area of this pub called the Barge Inn... And that's because the people who do them drink there and they go out to the fields. Many farmers make a small fortune by showing people around and selling photographs of aerial shots because to get the best picture of what it is, they have to take a plane up and they charge money for that. One farmer, they reckon, made 30 grand out of showing people the crop circles because people like to believe 
that it's an alien force. They like to believe that it's something that we don't understand. They can't quite get their heads around the fact that it's a bloke with a piece of string and a plank. And, and they, they've said here, you've no idea actually how simple it is. Because even though they look fairly complicated, you just walk round in circles. They're all mapped out. Some of them are, are very nice, especially the 600-foot Portuguese man of war. But that was nothing compared to some of the beautiful ones. And it just means that you move the plank in a different way. It's not complicated. And in fact, if you put, um, you know, cameras on this thing, you'd see this particular guy making it. So what they do is they go out there. And you remember in the, uh, in the 70s, there was lots of people going... Oh, it's alien forces. And sometimes the corn is a bit burnt. That indicates that something's come down. It's a higher force. It's, a, it's something that generally people can't explain because they refuse to accept the fact that it's made by a bloke. And what, what they say here is um, they've actually asked him to make loads of things for advertising slogans. It's, it's the same. It's the Yuri Geller syndrome, isn't it? If Yuri Geller came out and said to you, yes, I'm a magician, you'd go, oh, he's a magician. Because if, if a magician shows you a card trick... You know it's a trick. You're being fooled. If somebody says to you, I'm doing this with the power of my mind... If Darren Brown says to you, this is the power of my mind, you now believe that Darren Brown can control your mind. He's a magician. But, of course, if he says he's a magician, it doesn't sell as well as if he can control your mind. So they, so they say, mind games. You know, I can make you believe anything you like. And I, I'd love to do a programme for magicians, because you could just blow the whole thing wide apart. But you'd never do it, because it would ruin it. Because people like to believe in things. So when Yuri Geller bends a spoon or, you know, does this or says, oh, I can tell, tell what you're thinking, you know, you're thinking of the seven of hearts. And so it goes on. And you go, oh, that's clever, isn't it? If a magician does it, you go, it's just a trick, isn't it? It's just a trick. So when, when somebody shows you a crop circle and goes, I did this, people go, oh, yeah, well, you might have done that one. But there's other ones that we can't explain. No, we can explain them all away. Absolutely every single one of them. And it's, it's only... It's, it's people, they like to buy into it. So they buy their DVDs and they've got little photographs on their walls of crop circles going, this is really complicated, this one. And, uh, and at the end of the day, it's all originating from a pub called the Barge Inn. And they've been down there, the Express, and they've done a huge piece on it. And uh, there, there is a group that offers studies in crop circles for visitors and seekers of experience and truth. And they charge you. They charge you, you know, because it's a great money maker. They're never free, are they? They always do it. It's like somebody says, listen, I remember right years ago we exposed uh, Maria Duval. Maria Duval was, uh, used to put an advert in all the papers saying she was the world's greatest psychic. Uh, she never existed. She was, a, she was a con artist. And what she did was she would say, oh, I've, I've got something interesting coming. Write to me with your date of birth and what would come back would be a computer-generated letter. And what Maria Duval was looking for was you sending a 20 quid. And that's how, it, that's how it all started. And we actually did it on the programme and exposed it as the fraud that it was. It was designed to part people from their money. Maria Duval claimed to have, in my case, some fascinating information which will be of benefit to me. But she was only going to tell me if I sent the old wizened old crookster 20 quid. And it didn't stop there, because Maria Duval, once she'd got your name and address, passed it on to more of her crooked friends, who also started targeting you with, listen, I can tell you something. And so it built up. It was a bit like watching the shopping channel yesterday, because I watched the shopping channel, now that I've got Freeview, and it's all popping into... My God, what a pile of old rubbish. What a pile of rubbish. Yesterday, we were treated to 30 minutes on polishing your car, details of which to follow. Point three. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. 17 minutes past uh, five. Actually, it's so strange. I've got to go back to this crop circle thing because it fascinates me. The pub here, the Barge Inn, uh, they say is the spiritual home of croppies. 
the makers of the circles, and this is their unspoken clubhouse. Nobody in the pub will admit to it, of course. After all, why ruin the fun? Corn circles are now a 30-year-old joke, a piece of folk art that occasionally fools the more gullible into believing they're made by UFOs. They're also a money-spinning enterprise. Last week, the Portuguese man of war cropped up. It seems to have appeared out of nowhere, says crop circle expert Karen Alexander. Actually, it almost certainly appeared thanks to the lads at the Barge Inn. If you can draw a circle design on paper, you can make it in corn, says Angdi, who's a regular at the barge who wishes to remain anonymous. It's not difficult to do. They're designed with an old-fashioned geometry set. Even the most complicated circle can be made in a few hours. You need a detailed drawing, a moonlit night and a few mates with planks. And that's how they make them. And we've told you that for years, but of course there are those out there who want to believe... They like, they've got to have something to hang on to on their life. It's like, you know, the people who who love the, the film E.T. and think that really out there, because this universe is so big, that there's little green men whizzing around or a higher force. You know, there isn't, of course. There isn't. Because if it was, it would have landed here ages ago. Why would it come down and make a funny shape in the corn? I ask you. You know, you'd have to be pretty stupid to kind of buy into this one. Anyway, generally acknowledged to have been the work, most of them, by a guy called uh, Dave Bowers, who was inspired by an Australian crop circle... And all they did, and I said before, all you need is a compass and a protractor. Do you remember Spirograph years ago? Where you put little pens in, you go, it's Spirograph, that's all it is. And all you do is you just transfer it into a field. It's not, it's not difficult, but people want to believe it. If all of a sudden, I, 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 my voice is coming from another planet, there would be some people who'd probably think he's been taken over by aliens. Everybody else would just be saying, that's Steve Allen being a bit silly this morning. But people want to believe, don't they? But you have to read it in the Express because it debunks the whole thing. But you're still going to get the balmies. They're still going to get them, you know. But it says on this crop circle that it was made... It's like, you know, what was the other thing you always get? (laughs) People who interpret the Bible, don't they? You know, people who can't read... It says in the Bible that man shall not sleep with man. No, it doesn't. Don't be so silly, honestly. It's all these things that were written so many blooming years ago. Oh, weather. Here we go. Cool, cloudy, says Hakia. Sunny spells eventually breaking through before light scattered showers this afternoon. <coughs> rain, rain, rain. And tonight, heavy rain moving in from the south tomorrow. Do you know what somebody nicked the other day off my tyres? The, uh, the little air caps. They swapped them. My little air caps. They only cost about three quid for four. They're really cheap. Little things that you put over the, uh, the tyre, you know, the, the valve. And I've got little chrome ones on there. And I went out there because I, I pay about £3.50 and you get five. I quite like them when they're new. They look quite good. Anyway, so um, I went out to have a look in Halfords the other day. Do you know they've got tyre caps that go on there that cost £15, but you lock them. So apparently people want to take them. Never heard anything so stupid in my life. But two of mine were replaced, so I put new ones on. And luckily, I've got a whole load of the blooming things left. Uh, morning, Dan. Good weekend? Well, for me, yes. Very nice. Although, yes, I did nothing. I, did, I absolutely did nothing. It was fantastic yesterday. I decided to be really lazy and to catch up and watch films. And I said yesterday, I've ordered these films from Amazon, Queenie's Castle with Queenie Watts, who, if you haven't ever seen, it's, it's, it's vintage comedy for people of a certain age, and I'm that age. Arthur Mullard in Yes, My Dear. He was the one that did, I've got chills, they're multiplying. And, and you remember what he did with Hilda Baker? You're the one that I want. Uh, so, fingers crossed, says Dan, the new bike will be here this week. A sleek, dark blue cruiser. Can't wait. Plus, for all those at the summer ball, including Mr Park and my mate Laura, I think the weather was pretty kind to them for the best part of the gig. Apparently, everybody had a fantastic time, so I'm looking forward to seeing the photos of that a little bit later. Uh, Johnny says, I would have loved to have met Caligula and said, we're having a party tonight. Don't invite the horse. OK? 
Do you ever see the, the Bob Guccione film of Caligula? Blimey, that opened a few people's eyes. Because uh, halfway through, Bob Guccione, who used to uh, run Penthouse magazine, put in hardcore porn. So all these uh, actors like Helen Mirren and loads of other people found themselves in the middle of a giant porn film. And so if ever you've seen Caligula, you'll know that it, it carries a, a heavy rating. Heavy rating. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Ray said, have I appeared in your dreams yet, Steve? No, that would be a nightmare. <laughs> Catherine says, I didn't know Mandelson was openly gay. Really? Lived with a Brazilian. <laughs> I think well-known, actually. They've been with him for some time. Actually, talking of Brazilians, there was, uh, you know, we've got Big Brother. Um, it's just, or, they might as well call it Big Sister this time round. You know, the usual odd bunch assortment. They've got a little Brazilian queen in there. And, of course, you love it, because when you get little Brazilian boys on the television, they always go, because I fancy women and men. And, of course, what they really mean to say is, my mother could be watching this. I'm actually a screaming Mary, but I'm not about to tell you. <laughs> I also remember Elton John when he came out and said, oh, of course, I'm bisexual. And went, yep, of course. Uh, Yuri Geller actually used to be a magician before he started his psychic nonsense, Steve. Yes. Well, actually, I think he did work as a magician. I think uh, loads of people work as magicians. I think it's very clever. I'm always very envious. I mean, I myself sort of dabble with it, as you all know. And uh, and I love things like that. But I just wish that people would be honest when they sort of say, you know, if, if it's a trick, it's a trick. But I remember talking to a magician once, um, whose name totally escapes me at the moment. But he said to me, it's real magic, Steve. So, I mean, I can't explain what it was we were talking about, but in the end I got annoyed, as you do. I said, no, I said, I know how you do it. He said, no, no, it's real magic. He said, you think that's how it works. I said, no, I know how it works. Anyway, Dippy Demi Moore. You remember Demi Moore? A short while ago, uh, Susan Boyle, uh, Demi Moore was going, oh, yes, we think you're marvellous. And then Simon Cowell thought, blimey, let's capitalise on this quickly. Because, by the way, the wizened one will sing on tour. Yes! Susan Boyle will be out and she will sing like there was ever any choice in it. So, a case of you're under contract, lovey. We need to make some money out of you and we need to make it very quickly before the public go off the boil. And before, I mean that in the nicest possible way, before people start going, actually, she's not that great at all. Because I can't wait to hear the album because they, they need to shift a load of them. But, strange enough, to me, Moore has a horde of dolls, wizened dolls. She likes collecting old women. She's got 3,000, and she claims, or he actually claims, Anton uh, Kuchner, he claims that these dolls are giving him nightmares. He'd actually like to sort of get rid of them. Some of them are quite rare, but they're little old ladies. Now, I'm thinking, I don't want to be rude, but I'm thinking that maybe Demi and Ashton Kutcher have seen Britain's Got Talent, and they've thought that wizened old Susan Doyle is, in fact, a doll. And this one sings, and they're thinking we could add it to the collection. It sings. It comes at you. put a penny in the slot, you wind it, whatever you do with it. And it comes, I dreamed a dream. And she's thinking, this is brilliant. This is an automata to beat all automata. And that's why they didn't come over here. Because you remember, they were offered first-class flights, hotel by Simon Cowell. And luckily, I think, I think Demi was washing her hair or something that day, and Ashton was out with his uh, little friends. And, and so they never made it over here. I think somebody said to you know it's not a doll, you know it's real. They went, hmm? Because they're not bright in America. They're not all bright, I have to tell you. Just because they've been in films. Oh, my love, my darling, I wonder for your touch. And that was, she was doing that funny thing with the, um, with the plasticine. And that, that the husband, was it clay? I don't know, it could have been plasticine, I don't know. It's a bit morph, morph, whatever it was. Anyway, so, so they're doing this. I never understood why he actually could walk through walls and yet could sit on a settee without falling through it. How did that happen? 
It's because it was Hollywood. It was great. Get off my train! Remember that one? Where he's trying to teach him to jump through walls, this man who'd been killed on the underground. Anyway, so going back to, uh, to Demi and Ashton, I think they Somebody said to... No, no, Susan Ball's a person. Really? We thought she was a doll. No, 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 she's really a person. So, uh, so that's that. And everybody's uh, very happy. Paul Gascoigne, to prove that he's not a drunk, got on his bike the other day and went playing with his nephew in the park, luckily with a photographer present. So that was lucky, wasn't it? So good news there. Not really. Uh, because all his friends have said, listen, you don't stop drinking, mate. Anybody can get on a bike the following day and go out there looking like that with a bottle of water. But unfortunately, we know you're a drunk and we know that you're a bad drunk and we know it's going to kill you. So we can only tell you this about five million times because the next time we'll be telling it to a coffin. OK, so you, you better kind of wise up and you better learn very quickly because otherwise you're just you're wasting everybody's time, wasting everybody's time. Uh, big brother, uh, to say two of the girls have decided to play lesbian to uh, to try and boost up the figures. But it's so dull, you know, to play lesbian is just really not that interesting. But the worst thing is the worst thing is uh, a guy called Karen Austin Hill. I can't actually tell you what he said, but he's quite clearly a homophobe. Uh, he's American. He's black. Uh, he came up with one comment when he went in there, when, when they said, are you gay? And he said, and he then made a comment that uh, to anybody listening would have actually marked him out as a homophobe. Yesterday, on television, he tries to shove a banana up his bottom on live television. And uh, luckily, people have actually complained to Ofcom. There's going to be a load of complaints against this one. I mean, quite clear, the man is either so stupid or just thick or just really disgusting. I can't work out what it is, because we had Kinga, didn't we, doing her little act, a more disgusting, vile old bag you'd be hard pushed to find. Talking of vile old bags, I see Jerry Halliwell's out. Jerry Halliwell, 190, her new boyfriend, 29. Apparently he comes from a very, uh, a very rich family. And, of course, it's, it's going to be lovely, Henry. So good luck for the meantime. Uh, generally, about four or five weeks in, you discover she's barking as a barrel load of barking things. And that's why none of her relationships last. She's what's commonly known as needy. Needy, I think, describes Jerry Halliwell very well. You've only got to read her book to realise. And we saw, saw the documentary, you know, Being Me, where she puts post-it notes on everything. You know, be fabulous today. Be wonderful. You are, you know, she goes through phases. So she'll be with you for a little while, then she'll ditch you for somebody else. So don't worry about it. It's, it's not worth it. It's a bit like Jordan. I am not bonkers. Of course you're not, dear. You're just a foul-mouthed, ugly, old, faded, old has-been. But apart from that, I'm with you on every step of the way. Or never was. Sadly, she pulled out of the... Uh, of the Capitol Summertime Ball at the Emirates Stadium yesterday. Everybody was so looking forward to seeing her. But anyway, she said here through her agent that uh, she, she couldn't go there because of this. And also, some of the things that people are saying about her are not very nice. You're not a very nice person, dear. That's why they're saying nasty things about you. Uh, her publicist says Kate says the claims that she was going off the rails, refusing to eat and making desperate calls, are of course not nice for her, but she knows that they're unfounded and is carrying on as normal. For normal, read filthy, foul-mouthed old bag who's determined to uh, to knock Pete as much as possible. All the experts yesterday, all the columnists say, go on, Pete, take her, take her for every penny you can, because you wait, she will turn. She's started hanging around with her only friend in the world, which is Michelle Heaton, and you know how desperate your life must be if your only friend in the world is dreary Michelle Heaton. This is the revolting Michelle Heaton who did the come dine with me and walked down the stairs after having probably a couple of drinks, saying, oh, I've got no knickers on. I thought, you're a class act, aren't you? Answer? No, you're not. LBC. LBC 97.3.
Text 84850. Steve Allen. Who'd have thought European elections, BNP, two seats? Who'd have thought that? That uh, they got booed and people threw things. and uh, But that's the way it appears to be going, isn't it? They get two seats in the European elections, a gravy train for many. We'll run through the, uh, the list a little bit later on. Phil in Clapham says, Steve, if I could meet anybody who's dead, I would pick Adam and Eve and ask them if they really thought they were the first people on Earth. <laughs> exactly. Do you really think you were the first people? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think there were people around a long time before you, but it's a good story. Talking a good story, the revolting Jack Tweed. I'm afraid that's going to be preceding the word revolting every time we talk about Jack Tweed. Uh, he's still not paid the compensation to the taxi driver he assaulted. Only £200 compensation, uh, for which Jack Tweed is milking it. But now we all know he's a simple child who can't write properly. We told you the other day that he'd been up to uh, milk... Sorry, to go and visit the grave of uh, of his former wife for about five minutes. Uh, and, of course, remember, it's the woman that he cheated on twice with different girls. He's already been out with loads of girls. He's already done the nightclub thing. So, quite clearly, the very immature Jack Tweed has learnt nothing at all. 21, but with the mental ability of a five-year-old, I'm afraid. And he did a little poem to Jade plus Jack with a little heart, written like a... F- I've, got a I've got a four-year-old who can write better than that. I've never seen anything so pathetic, but he's still not paid the money. Stephen of Buckhurst Hill, who's the taxi driver, says, I haven't received a penny and I don't expect to either. Take him back to court. Take him back to court. Get the money off him. Get the money off him. Tell him to flog the watch that Jade gave him. Doesn't look like he could tell the time anyway. I quite like the idea, though, as Phil said, of, um, of Adam and Eve... I think that's quite a good one, actually. Adam and Eve. You don't really believe you were the first people on Earth, do you? I think that's a good one. Uh, Graham Norton's new show, Totally Saturday, was not the monster success. Apparently it didn't get the huge ratings, but everything nowadays has to, has to work up to it. However, for the, uh, the summertime ball at the Emirates Stadium, they don't get a rehearsal for it. It's a case of you go in there... And it has to work. And they got some fantastic reviews in the, uh, the paper today, the Saturdays. It was quite nice. Some people talk about it saying, yeah, they're very nice, but they're very young, aren't they? <laughs> very young. And uh, Kelly Clarkson and Katy Perry. And it's such a shame that the weather in the morning was foul. But by the time we got to the, uh, the later on in the morning, the time I left here, it was, it was brilliant. It was sunshine. It was a really, really nice day. Very, very nice day. So uh, everybody was happy all round. Steve, do you believe in what Paul McKenna does? Well, he's a hypnotist. He's a hypnotist, and so I think that's, that's completely different. I don't think... You see, Darren Brown, I think this sort of mind reading, I think it's quite clever. We, we did a programme on LBC years ago. I don't know if it's podcast, but we pretended, we had a magician in, but we told people that, in fact, he was a mind reader and would be doing various mind reading things. And it's amazing... Uh, what you can achieve on the radio. We did it at one o'clock in the morning. We said, right, first of all, if you've got anything broken, like a watch or a piece of electrical equipment that hasn't worked, bring it to the radio. He will concentrate, bearing in mind this was all totally made up, he will concentrate his, uh, his energy. And if anything starts working, phone us. Well, the switchboard just went crackers. People phone up saying, I had this watch, it hadn't worked since, you know, 1933, and it's now working. This hairdryer hadn't... We had people phone it, and I thought... So, but he hasn't got any power. He's just an ordinary person. And we were almost proving that you could say anything because Yuri Geller, when he comes on the radio, he does the same thing. He say, listen, if you have a watch or this or that, bring it to the radio now and then work, work, work. And it's just a load of old hookum. It really is. It's like people go, hey, hey, and sort of, you know, being a faith healer kind of stuff. And, and people phoning up doing the same stuff. So I reckon I could do it now. 
I'm going to concentrate. And I bet you anything that at some point during this programme, and I'm sending out thought waves to you now. No, I'm not, but I'm pretending I am. And something will start working. OK, oh, let's try Let's try Come on, let's treat it seriously. OK. OK, true experiment. OK, I'm thinking I'm concentrating. I can see... Somebody has picked up a watch near a bread bin. Near a bread bin. I can see it. Was it in the bread bin or on top of it? Anyway, you're looking at it now thinking there's no chance that Steve Allen could... It started, hasn't it? It started ticking. See, the rest of you have now gone, my God, he's got power. It's unbelievable power. He'll be having dreams about, about sort of Susan Boyle next. She'll be popping into his, uh, into his dream. <laughs> it might do, actually. <laughs> if Eamon Andrews met Jesus, he'd hand him a Bible and say, this is your life. <laughs> You can imagine it. Really? I never did that. I never did this one. I never did that. I never did the water to wine thing. It was a little, it was a small Vimto we did. We never did water to wine. You really want to read the, read the definitive Bible, read Spike Milligan's. It was very funny. Very, very, very funny. It, was, it wasn't poking fun. It was just funny. Although I know a lot of people who boycotted that Monty Python, Life of Brian. They said it was blasphemy. And you think, turn the other cheek, get over yourself... Jimmy says, I'd love to meet anybody from the carry-on films, including Peggy Mount. Yes, I don't think Peggy Mount ever did a carry-on film. Uh, she did George and the Dragon, and she did lots of things, actually. Lots and lots of things. Yeah, we like Peggy Mount a lot. I, tell, I, I, I must mention, I watched this shopping channel thing the other day. It might be Ideal World. And where they go on with these info commercials, they drag on for, like, 30 minutes. And what they're flogging... It's, they always say not available in the shops, and the reason is quite clear because it's rubbish. That's why they go. There was one of them. It was makeup for women, and they have all these women there. And they go, if you put this on, it's marvelous, and it comes with a free brush and a free this and a free that, and it's only twenty nine ninety nine. And and you can quite clearly see women reaching for their credit cards, getting. I better get some of this, you know, because it looks marvelous. They had a thing the other day, and it was a woman uh, selling an exfoliator to get rid of hair on your legs. Now, I spoke to Nicola Bond the other day, who works on, on Classic and, and on Heart, and she's been having, uh, because she's, she's particularly hairy, she was telling me. In fact, it, it, when she's naked, it is a bit like a rug. And she's been for laser treatment, and she has it done up the road here. And she said, no, seriously, she said, I am the hairiest person I know. She said, I've had this laser treatment, she said, and it's fantastic to get rid of hair. But on this ideal world, they've got a woman sitting there with another woman and she's got a little pad and she rubs it round this woman's leg and then she rubs it the other way and the hair comes off. You achieve roughly the same effect with, uh, with sandpaper, only this is particularly mild sandpaper and they peel it off and put it on there. And, uh, did you have one of those ones? It's not as, it's not as good as sugaring or, or waxing or anything else, but lasering apparently is very, very good because Christo wanted to have some lasering done. Uh, because apparently he's, he's also... No, on his back. He's decided... Because he's had waxing done and he said it hurts. So, because now a lot of men are getting into having uh, waxing. And so, one thing is Hugh Broom would never, ever have waxing done. I can't... You'd have to hold him down and bang him over there with a mallet before you could ever... Let's do that, actually. Let's get, let's get Hugh Broom waxed. But, uh, but they were showing this thing. And then they had yesterday... We had half an hour on this car wax... And they were going, it's not available in the shops. I thought, no, because nobody would pay this stupid price for it. They were offering it for, I think, £20. And they were saying, oh, it's, it's used in all the garages. Well, I tell you, I've been in a lot of garages. I've never seen this stuff once. Never seen it once. I've seen people doing adverts, you know, where they go out to these... Oh, that's sad, isn't it, to watch? Um, these, uh, they put myrrh on. They, they set fire to the bonnet of a car and then they put myrrh on and all the rest of it. And this was a guy and he was spraying it on. They had a dirty car there, a dirty piece of a car. But it, it wasn't... They didn't tell you what it was covered with. It could have just been a bit of flour and water rubbed over it. 
because he sprayed this stuff on and then wiped it off, and, of course, it was instant shine. Well, you know damn well it's not going to be when you do yours. It's absolutely not going to be. And they stand there, and they, they, they can only tell you what they're told to tell you. You know, which is, this is my... Do you know, I've used this on my car. That Strangely enough, the bloke who was also demonstrating hadn't used it on his car, which I thought, if it's so blooming good, why are you not using it? Why are you not telling us what this stuff is that you've put on here? And he says you can use it on windows, you can use it on this, use it on that. And there was, in the end, it was about £30. And I'm thinking, why would you... And you never need to, to wax your car again. It's marvellous, it's this and that. I'm thinking, if it's so good, why are they not selling it in shops? And the answer is, because it's the kind of thing that sells on demonstration. You go to the Ideal Home Show and you will watch people walking out with um, mops. Not mops, they're, they're bits of... Oh, I don't know how you describe it, actually. It's cloth, but it mops up, you know, water, spillage and all, all this other thing. And the guy will demonstrate it and he will sell it for, I think, between £5 and £10. It costs less than 50p for a huge sheet of this. They cut it up and they wrap it up and they give you an instruction and say, look, if you want to come back, here's our company name and all the rest of it. What they are is they're demonstrators. They're de- it's not Hugh, is it, doing it, I don't think. It's demonstrators. So when they, when they go out, they've learnt how to demonstrate and that's what they will do. I told you, I went to the market one year and there was a bloke there and he'd been to China and he'd bought a container load of, what the dickens were they? I think it was a little cooker. Whatever it was, they'd been seen on the television and they were selling on the telly for about 50 quid. He was banging them out for 20. So people had seen them and all he did for all summer, him and his son, was they brought over God knows how many of these things. There might have been, you know, 100,000 of them. But that's all they demonstrated at all the markets. And every demonstration, he must have shifted about 50 of these things. And it was effortless because it sold... Oh, and I told you it was, it was a steamer. It was a steamer. So, in other words, he would have baked on stuff and he'd spray it with the steamer and wipe it off. Well, he couldn't shift enough of them. And all the pe- and he was saying, listen, you don't have to take it with you now. Go and do your shopping around the market. Come back, it'll be here for you. And he shifted a ton of them. It's what's commonly known as a dem. You know, you see them at all the ideal home shows. Look at this, uh, this frying pan here. I'm going to burn milk on it. And now, with this cloth, I just wipe and look. Ta-da! Fantastic. And you stand there and you watch, because we love a demonstration. We love a good demonstration. You can't get enough of the blooming things. And they do them, and we watch them, and we buy the stuff. And then with the info commercials on the television, you're watching ladies putting, this is, look at this makeup, it just goes on flawlessly. Not a mark here, covers this, covers that. You think, if it was that good, top models would be using it. But it isn't, it's sold on the television, which is a completely different market. People who buy on the television... You know, are people who sort of want to think that, that I bet you've all got stuff in your cupboard that you bought years ago that you've never touched. You've opened it and gone, oh, it's a pile of old rubbish, isn't it? The other thing was, and here is this marvellous gadget, it peels tomatoes. Not only will it peel tomatoes, but it's so strong you can cut wood with it. I could just see my Auntie Enid having a go at that one, standing there with a pineapple in one hand, sort of doing this, doing an avocado, you know. And you can also do shaped vegetables. Who does shaped vegetables nowadays? Only the... Why would you want to cut wood? They were demonstrating how how strong it was. I thought, you know, you feel like going around somebody's house going, I love it. Let me have a go. Look, here's my thing. Look, tomato, one minute. Now, the wood! And then they were showing you how to peel an avocado. And look, you can also slice up, because you can make these lovely julienne vegetables, and you could do this. For, and he was picking it up, doing the... I mean, I've never seen vegetables the size of it. If kids won't eat vegetables, cut it with one of these things. And he's picking up handfuls of it. It was the biggest pile of rubbish I've ever seen in my entire life. But this man, quite clearly, and just to demonstrate that he's not a chef, but he wants to think he's a chef, he's wearing a white coat. So then you think 
that he's a bit of a chef. It's like when you go in to the um, to the department stores, the girls who work on the makeup counter are plastered in it. You won't, you know, you can't see them outside because you, you think many many of them are blokes. It's not easy. But inside the shops, the lighting is so clever. And what Estee Lauder did for one of their ranges was to make it even more appealing. They put the girls in white coats. So you think you're dealing with a biochemist. Whereas you're not. You're dealing with a shop assistant in a white coat who's got a rather large amount of makeup on. But you go there and you go, that's lovely. Mmm, let me take your makeup off and put our slap on. And that's what they do. And you see women sitting there and like they've never put makeup on before. And you still see girls, I still see girls sitting on the bus, you know, young girls, with the wrong makeup on. And you look at them and you think, did you get dressed in the dark? Because your makeup is wrong, dear. It's wrong, wrong, wrong. The girl who sat on the train the other week. Uh, there's always, on my train, there's always a woman who sits on there and opens her sandwiches. First thing in the morning, oh, that's nice, we like that. Is that on Sky News? Oh, it's somebody who's got a little white tiger cub. Oh, they're so cute. Until you think a little bit later, it will eat you. It's so funny, isn't it? You know, you can play with me now, and I'm cute and cuddly, but I'm going to eat you in about a year's time. Oh, lovely. You didn't see that programme on the television, did you, about the couple who adopted a monkey and thought it was a child? <gasps> they were a bit scary. Quarter to six. LBC 97.3. London's biggest conversation. Morning, everybody. Uh, Twelve minutes to six is the time. A couple of stories from the papers that are running. Prince Harry stepped up his relationship with TV beauty Caroline Flack. I have no idea who she is either. But, uh, honestly, there's no point, Harry, in sleeping with a commoner. You know, try and stick with people in your own class, because this is, you know, apparently a girl introduced by Harry's TV presenter pal, Natalie Pinkham. She's not still presenting on television, is she? I seem to have missed that one. Didn't she turn up in a couple of programmes and that was about it? Isn't that Jim Davis's flatmate, Natalie Pinkham? But, uh, you know, I mean, the idea of going out with somebody who's on a recommendation. They left a club, apparently, Harry and this uh, girl, and she's much older than he is. Uh, in fact, she's quite old to be in clubs, really. Anyway, uh, they left at 4am. You don't think they go back for rumpy-pumpy, do you, after that? Do you think they do that? Is that the kind of thing? Because Prince Harry is so dedicated to his job, although he is enjoying the single life. And uh, she emerged from the apartment late yesterday morning. Oh, oh, Caroline is a Gladiators host. Didn't even know it was back. Gladiators, I thought that finished years ago. Oh, it's still... Oh, blimey, still going, apparently. But uh, apparently she was driven to his private apartment at Clarence House... It's not like wheeling them in, isn't it, really? It's like, you know, get that one. That, that, that one. No, not that one. That one. No, not the bloke. The, the girl. Bring the girl back. OK, do you want to come back with Prince Harry? Yes, yeah, certainly do. There's no thinking about it at all, but you watch. She'll, she'll be coy over the next week. You watch, she'll be going, so what is it? I can't talk about it. Well, until he finishes with me, then I'll be talking about it until, you know, until it goes off. <laughs> it goes off the boil again. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Ray and Balham is going to phone the CAA this morning, the Club for Acts and Artists, or Artists and Acts, see if they have information regarding uh, Patrick Newley's funeral. This is Patrick, who uh, um, died tragically the other day. Very, very young. 54, I think he was. And I'm not sure whether it was uh, throat cancer. But we'll, we'll find out more on that. Jordan and Peter Andre locked in this new battle. Uh, Jordan out with Michelle Heaton again. Oh, how dreary. You know, glamour girl Jordan. Nothing glamorous about Jordan at all. As I say, foul mouth, faded old has-been, I'm afraid. And that's being kind. Uh, yes, yes, yes. This is uh, Yasmina Siadatan, I think it is, who's now the new uh, apprentice girl. And uh, she's going to set up a love nest in France. Oh, so you're not going to be working for Sir Alan, are you? You're setting up a love nest in France. She says, I'm taking a pay cut. It's not about cash. 
Oh, dear, it's about ego, is it? Oh, I hope not. I don't think any of them are worth threepence, to be honest with you. I, re- I really don't think any of them are worth, uh, worth anything at all. I'm just, I'm just not fans, not fans of these sort of people. Uh, Daily Mail this morning. Yasmina, you're hired. Does it really matter? And, you know, for 40 years, Liz Jones has battled anorexia. Liz Jones, who writes for the Mail, apparently, you'd never know, looking at some of her pictures, that she battled anorexia. This is the girl who did her breakup with her husband quite publicly, and it was so dreary. It went backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. Back- and, I, frankly, at the end of the day, I'd lost the will to live. I thought, anybody who does that kind of thing in a column is, is just awful. It's almost like reading about... Prince Andrew, often another one of his freebie jaunts, otherwise known as Freeloading Andy. This time, he's head off to uh, Azerbaijan, as I mentioned yesterday, in a, in a private jet at the cost of the public, of, that's you and me, 60,000 quid, going off there to meet a corrupt dictator, a man who fiddles expenses and everything else. And even people in Azerbaijan are saying, what's he doing here? The answer is he's on a freebie. That's what he's on. He's never actually had a day's work in his life bit like his uh, daughters and ex-wife. They don't actually do anything, do they? They're just kind of, well, the daughter's staggering and out of clubs. Andy goes off playing golf under the guise of he's apparently a European culture minister or something, whatever he does, I've got no idea. And, uh, and of course, he was in the Falklands, as we're so often reminded. And then you've got Sarah Ferguson, who's uh, bombarding the people at this morning because she'd like to be considered for the job of Fern. When Fern goes, Sarah Ferguson thinks she's up for it. We've seen your presenting skills, Sarah. You're crap. I'm terribly sorry. I don't want to be rude about it. But frankly, there are professional presenters out there and you're not one of them, I'm afraid. Very sweet. Very sweet. It's like there was a great party the other day and the good and the great were there, including... And they're always going to make jokes about him because it's not his fault. <coughs> Jamie Cullum, who's only five foot six with his statuesque fiance Sophie Dahl, who's about seven feet in heels, and it just looks like she's taken her, her, her leprechaun out for a, for a bit of airing. Uh, Simon Le Bon was there with Yasmin and uh, Tamara Beckwith. And heavens above, still with that same naff old hairstyle. Poor old Tamara. You'd think, actually, she'd bring herself into the modern day and try and do something about making herself look so old. Uh, J.K. Rowling was there. And, uh, and Peter Kay, as well, who's put on quite a bit of weight. I told you the other day I had to watch the Peter Kay thing where he was dressed as Geraldine. And he sang his song, which got to... It's such a good programme. It really is. It's lovely. And then they've got a picture of Boris Johnson talking to Mikhail Gorbachev, which seems a bit pointless, actually, because I don't think Mikhail Gorbachev spoke a word of English. So I don't know what sort of conversations they have. Oh, here's the... uh, Here's Sean Woodward, who featured yesterday with Andrew Pearce. So I I don't know whether or not uh, it was mentioned. I don't think it was, but uh, Sean Woodward's been accused of avoiding one and a half million pounds in capital gains tax by simultaneously claiming that two properties were his main residence. In 2003, the Northern Ireland Secretary, the only cabinet member with his own butler, made a £3.7 million profit when he sold his central London townhouse to the singer Sting. By telling the taxman that the property was his main residence, he avoided paying capital gains tax of 40% on the sale, a saving of almost £1.5 million. Two years earlier... He told the Commons Fees Office that he and his wife and four children lived in Sarsden House, a mansion set in Oxfordshire. All published parliamentary records at the time of the townhouse sale suggested he lived in Oxfordshire rather than London. Yesterday, he failed to clarify whether in 2003 he declared two different main residences, avoiding probably about £1.5 million. Pounds. Another one for the uh, for the Telegraph, I suspect, and should. And I know that they talked about this yesterday on the programme, but I, I, I think Andrew talked about this. Whether or not boys as young as 12 should be allowed to carry condom cards. And the answer is 
Absolutely. Anybody who thinks that 12-year-olds are not having sex is living on another planet. They're absolutely. And this could be done without their parents knowing. And I did say that in Twickenham, we have somewhere uh, where kids can go in. Schoolboys, I've seen them going in there, and they go in and they're given free condoms. Because at least it stops them having unprotected sex which is a lot safer than actually people going out and ending up on the Jeremy Kyle show. You know, I had sex with this and I'm here for a DNA to try and work out who the father is. And that's what I find even more disgusting. Uh, 84850, stevedlbc.co.uk. Sean in Hanwell says the best magician is Gordon Brown because he's made the Labour Party vanish. Yes, it's not too bad. Uh, if you keep watching the shopping channel, says Catherine, Yuri Geller and his magic jewellery will pop up. Oh, dear. I'm not sure about these shopping channels. Uh, 84850. Uh, I bought some stuff for getting rid of scratches on cars, says Lynn. Absolute rubbish. But those pads for hair removal, wonderful. I shall recommend them to Nicola Bon. I mean, she's... I mean, I don't think there's enough pads in the world. Steve, read the shopping channel. I bought this paint roller, which you fill up with paint in the middle. Washes out under the tap instantly. It doesn't. It takes ages and weighs a ton. I know, I've seen these before, and they go, and you can put any paint you like in it. It doesn't spill, and you just roll it and roll it. And we're going to give you a thing that does edges. You know, they're all rubbish things. They're all designed. They're, they're sold, as I say, on a demonstration. That's what they are. They're demo items. There are warehouses full of this stuff, and what they've got to do is convince you to buy it. And so they have these these demonstrations, and, and people buy it. And then you're quite right, whenever you wash out a paint roller that's in the inside, unfortunately, it takes forever. They seem to think you put water in and the paint just oozes. It doesn't. It's like trying to get rid of soap off a flannel or off a sponge. doesn't happen at all, I'm afraid. Anton Deck could face a uh, wage cut. They've, uh, they have a three-year, £20 million deal for hosting shows like Britain's Got Talent and I'm a Celebrity. However, they say that ITV might start cutting back. I don't think it makes any difference, does it? Does it make any difference? You know, wh- whether they get paid 20 million or five... I don't really care on something like that. And the one thing that men have always complained about, and I'm going to complain about it this morning, and I'm sorry to do it, but it is the most stolen item. The most stolen item in the world is razor blades. People nick them. Why? Because they're so damned expensive. For example, they've got the Gillette Fusion Power here. The retail price of four is £2.43. They cost 20 pence. That's what they cost. The biggest rip-off in living memory is razor blades. That's why people steal them in their thousands. Every year, people steal them. I watch people stealing them in Waitrose. They steal them from chemists. They take them from anywhere they can. That's why razor blades are practically under lock and key. Because even though they're cheap, the price of them is astronomical. The manufacturing cost of a cartridge of four is 20 pence. Each razor head is 5p. Packaging is 8p. Gillette profit margin is £6.28. So in other words, for a cartridge of four, they sell them for £9.72. They cost 20 pence. The profit margin is £6.28. Small wonder... The manufacturers are laughing their socks off at people like us who buy this. The shop profit margin is £1.90. The VAT is £1.26. The retail price, £9.72 for Gillette Fusion Power. They cost them 20 pence. It's absolutely outrageous. The trouble is, what can you do? The answer is, you can convert to electric. 
or failing that, buy disposable razors because they cost a fraction of the price. Why? I'm not surprised that they've got really fancy packaging. All it is is a razor blade, ladies and gentlemen, you know, or three razor blades with a little thing here and this makes it smoother and glides over. The- it's a load of old rubbish. 20 pence up to £9.72. You explain it. That's why it's the most nicked item. Perhaps we should start a campaign, actually. Perhaps we should start a campaign to boycott razor blades until they bring the cost down. Because believe you me, considering we're in a recession, things are going to get worse. They reckon petrol could be up to £1.15 a litre very shortly. Mind you, there are a lot of unscrupulous garages that rip you off to that tune anyway. It used to be a very expensive garage in London. And uh, they were always way above everybody else's price. So petrol, they say £1.15. I paid £1.04 for a litre of the other day of petrol. And, um, and now razor blades. What? A, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Everything going up in price. It's either going up in price or getting smaller. Apparently Mars bars have gone smaller. Same price, but they're smaller. It's absolutely outrageous. Mind you, I don't eat Mars bars. I'm diabetic. <laughs> morning, team. It's coming up uh, eight minutes past six. Monday morning, LBC 97.3. Who'd have thought after the European elections, BNP, two seats, two seats of the European Council over there, and Gordon Brown now facing this Euro election nightmare, uh, and they reckon today could be uh, showdown day. His fate will be decided by Labour MPs, they say, in the Sunday at 6pm, the countdown to the crunch meeting that could result in Brown being forced out as PM. Although if he is forced out as PM, who do, what, what are the odds on uh, Mandelson, uh, seeing as he now appears to be in all but name, Deputy Prime Minister. Details on that coming up a little bit later. The good news is that Susan Boyle will sing! Hooray! And uh, she'll be going on the tour. They, the organisers were worried they'd have empty seats on the tour. Strange that, because they're only telling us the other week that the tour's sold out at £32.50. I'm sure it's amazing value to see uh, a few people running around on the stage and a few people singing. And they brought back George Sampson, because he was just sitting at home twiddling his thumbs, so they thought, better bring him back to try and liven it up, because they're not sure that the current crop are going to sell enough seats. They don't want empty seats, do they? That doesn't look very good in anybody's show. So, uh, Susan Boyle, they don't think she'll be doing the first bit of the uh, of the tour in Birmingham, but they uh, say that she will play a massive role in other dates. What, sing more than one song? Oh, I can't wait for the reviews for this to come in. Will she be singing, or will it be auto-tune? We shall wait. I'm sure that, no doubt, after the uh, the thing has started, people will be emailing and texting LBC. Well done to Scott and uh, the Twickenham Riverside uh, objectors. They were all out the other day for their mock funeral procession. Actually, a friend of mine said, I bumped into these people down on the riverside. I didn't know what they were doing. So they're protesting there. Actually, strangely enough, I've noticed that uh, even though he has played no part in it whatsoever, uh, Vince Cable is in hospital at the moment. He's uh, suffering with uh, with some chest infection. They think it could be food poisoning. Not exactly been very helpful, I'm afraid, considering that uh, people voted him in round our area. But uh, uh, the main news is they need masses of uh, people to get down there, and they're on a they've got a referendum supporting literature, and they've been sending it round. So good luck. They, they don't give up these people. They don't give up. So you've got to applaud people for doing that. I think they started at the Barmy Arms, and we were looking yesterday weren't we, for some people to row, because it's the uh, dragon boat races next week and they need somebody for the, the Barmy Army team. The Barmy Army team. The Barmy Arms team. <laughs> Sorry, Alan. Uh, anyway, Noreen, uh, very we- varied weather, she says here, because yesterday the weather was atrocious in London. I mean, I don't know about the rest of you, but it absolutely bucketed down. She said, I did get a swim in and we walked around the lake, a bit different from last Sunday. I had a podcast on January the 1st, 2007, you were breakfast. I don't know if you were doing the next day. You were asking Uncle Rob to call, and he didn't. And Joanne Webb was on sport. She was hysterical. Because you know she knows all about sport, Joanne Webb. 
And in fact, I just bumped into her at the coffee machine. And she said, I was just listening to you. She said, what sort of dream were you having about Lisa Snowden? I said, it wasn't one of those sort of dreams. Oh, right. Because I often worry, she says, if you have those sort of dreams, whether or not the person who is in them knows about it. And when you bump into them the next day and they look at you, do you sort of think to yourself, I wonder if they know I was dreaming about you last night. So I try not to tell them. I mean, I was only talking about... Hugh this morning, and that luckily for us, he turns out not to be in. Uh, reviewing the papers for Nick Ferrari this morning, Yasmin Alibi Brown. They're talking about the Euro elections. Ed Davey, Shadow Foreign Secretary for the Lib Dems, and Daniel Hannan, Conservative MEP for the South of England. Robert Evans, the Labour MEP for London, and uh, from UKIP, Gerald Batten. Plus, for the group, I've got everybody off the Greens, Gene Lambert. Perhaps they should add to that now the, uh, the BNP, who have two seats. Uh, Andrew Porter will be talking about. Uh, Gordon Brown, how long can he hold on? And uh, the people who love Britain. And so today it's Gail Porter and Louise Robertson from our Glasgow newsroom. So Gail Porter, the television presenter, will be cropping up on breakfast this morning with Nick Ferrari after the news at seven. Gordon says, we were slightly perplexed by your comment yesterday, Steve, that you were in the Canary Islands. It was so cold, I wished I'd taken an umbrella. (laughs) I know. what I get so carried away with it on Sunday because I've had two chocolate biscuits. And you know what happens if I have two chocolate biscuits? I'll just go completely out the window. And it was cold and wet. And unfortunately, I didn't get round to the wet bit. The cold bit, I wish I'd taken a hot water bottle. And the wet bit, I wish I'd taken an umbrella. So it was just miserable. Hadn't rained, apparently, that badly over there for 20 years. And, of course, it all occurred during my two weeks. He says, why not avoid all the worry and holiday here on the Tooting Riviera? Temperatures are soaring. There's never any rain. A new Poundland has just opened. And the pier's having an extra lick of emulsion. What are you waiting for? That's from Sandra and Gordon. I love the idea that the peers had a new lick of paint. Is it from one of those items that you buy on the shopping channels where you pour the paint in and then you just roll her? And you've got people... They had um, Tommy, Tommy Walsh on, doing something that you put on, on bricks and then you put cement in the middle of it and then it sort of lays a little layer of... I mean, the sort of... The gadgets that you can buy on there, most of them absolute rubbish. A tan accelerator sort of produced by a bloke who uh, doesn't even exist anymore. He died, unfortunately. Sev says, I'm going to Swanage in Dorset today with 27 10-year-olds for five days. The weather predicted is rain, rain and more rain. Can you please work your weather magic for us, please? I shall do double prayers tonight. Double prayers tonight. And, uh, and we hope that, that, you, that you get some good, uh, some good weather. Can you imagine? 27 10-year-olds. Sounds like you've got your work cut out for that one, I'm afraid. Uh, more in the paper today. Uh, luckily, Jack Revolting Tweed and uh, Dane, good heavens above, you're still out. Bowers were turned away from the Val Bond the other night. I think so too. And, and any club that lets Jack Tweed in, I'm afraid, is just asking for trouble. Anyway, I was more interested in Studio Val Bond's prices. Okay, because Lindsay Lohan was there and had two. Now, I don't know what these are. It's two Polestar BTLs. I don't know what that is. It could be anything. Whatever it is, it's 270 quid. Okay. A Moe Magnum, a Magnum of Moe, is £325. This is Studio Valbon. Two Orange Jug, I don't know what that means, I think it just means a jug of orange, I suppose, is £20. Two Cranberry, 20 Two Red Bull Jugs, £35. One Jack Daniels and Coke, £9.50. Must be doubles, mustn't it? Two Diet Cokes. £20, and one Jack Daniels BTL, again, oh, it must be bottle. Ah, that's right, two Polestar bottles. What's Polestar? I don't know what Polestar is. Is it something exciting? Sounds like a, ah, it could be vodka. So it's £135 a bottle, 
And if you have a bottle of Jack Daniels, it's £185. I said, next time you want to come round, Lindsay, just let me know and I'll, I'll get it from my local Mr Modi. He does Jack Daniels much cheaper than that. 185 quid a bottle. But the, the thing is, the total bill was £884 for this booze session. The service charge for somebody bringing it to your table, 132 quid. I'd have crossed it off straight away. LBC at breakfast continues London's biggest conversation this morning from 7. LBC 97.3. Morning, everybody. It's uh, 18 minutes past. I'm just reminding myself that I've got to get washing up liquid on the way home and I have to buy five bottles. So if I go to Waitrose, and the reason I buy five bottles is because I buy all the colours. Because I quite like having five different... I mean, it makes no difference to me. They must think I'm very odd, actually. Most places I go to, they think I'm particularly peculiar. But I like buying lots and lots of... Uh, washing up liquid. And it's the first time I've actually gone down to the last little half an inch in there, and when it, when it gets to that, I chuck it away. And, uh, and I remember thinking to myself, I must get that today. And also, I need a new sponge. A new sponge. I've got a real, real sponge in the in the bathroom, which I quite like, but I don't like putting any um, soap on it, because I don't think it's very good for it. It was never used to having soap, and at one time, of course, it was living. It wasn't very good. Oh, bad news, I'm afraid, for people who bought tickets for uh, Take That currently getting rave reviews for the tour where they dress up they go on unicycles well everyone except gary barlow and uh, they go and they've got great reviews and robbie williams um has snubbed a return basically because his manager uh, has said listen if you go there it looks as though you're desperate to boost a flagging career so the managers have said no uh, I always thought, actually, Robbie, that they didn't really want you on the tour anyway. They'd already sold out. What with the point of going, ladies and gentlemen, take that. Oh, and here's Robbie Williams, the one who walked out on us years ago, and we're now bringing him back. Same as Jerry Halliwell. Uh, we're going to reform, and here's Jerry Halliwell again, the one who walked out midway through because she's slightly barking. So, you know, why she never went to the Priory, like everybody, ever, every other good person nowadays. Must go to the Priory. They do the best jobs. But anyway, Robbie Williams has now snubbed them. And uh, somebody has said here, uh, if Robbie came on board, some people would say he needs them now. Uh, well, he does, really. Because they're doing phenomenally well. Successful number one singles. When was the last time Robbie entered the charts? Last album, absolutely dire. Absolutely dreadful. Uh kind of losing it a bit now. Now he sort of studies UFOs and he does all sorts of things like that. He's, he's unfortunately gone down the balmy, stupid yet savable route and, and he needs to bring out a decent album. But even then, if he brings it out, would he drag around his handbag, Jonathan Wilkes, to promote it with him? Because everywhere Robbie goes, Jonathan Wilkes is not far behind, which is very sweet. He still does... I don't even think he does You've Been Framed. Do we still have You've Been Framed? Harry Hill does You've Been Framed, I think. Uh, Michael says cartridge razors are indeed too expensive. This is, uh, if you're podcasting the programme, you'll now know, cost to Wilkinson's, uh, or Gillette, 20 pence. By the time they reach you in the shops, £9.28. Bit of a difference. And that's why Michael switched to double-edged razor blades a year ago. They're the old Wilkinson sword-type razor blades. Much cheaper and give a better shave. You get plenty of information about using double-edged razor blades on the internet. Double-edged razor blades are not like cartridge blades. Patience and practice is required. Whatever it is, they're blooming expensive. So that's why I don't wet shave, I dry shave, which is a lot easier. Uh, Polestar vodka, says Sandra, blended with water from Iceland's unpolluted wilderness. Is that the country or the shop? I don't know. <laughs> It'd be funny if it was uh, Iceland, the shop, wouldn't it? It would be very funny. So that's what Polestar vodka is. My God, it's expensive. £135 a bottle. I'm going to tell Marish about that later. And I'm going to say, can you get me some Polestar vodka? I said, if, if, if I give you a hundred, that'll, that'll be cheaper. 
That'll be a lot cheaper than you can buy in Studio Valbon. Phenomenal amount of money, isn't it? Um, Chris says, does Hugh Broom sweep clean? Yeah, it's such an old joke. I'm not even going to answer that one, I'm afraid. Uh, BTL is bacon, tomato and lettuce. I don't think you can have a, a vodka, bacon, lettuce and tomato, can you? Or do you think they were having food as well with that thing? I don't know. I'm, I'm so worried about the prices. What do, when people go out to these, these nightclubs now, do they then sort of take with them credit cards? Because you can't, you can't afford to eat in these places, surely. We used to go to a pub down off Bramley Road, and the only thing that we could afford to eat in there was bowls of chips. So on a Friday night, we would go there for a, a small, small sherry, a small amontillado, and, and we'd order bowls of chips, and we'd sit there. And then they changed the management, and the chips turned out to be rubbish. And they weren't very good, so I stopped eating the chips there. Which was terrible. Johnny of Brixton says that the Sanderson Hotel, a Jack Daniel single and Coke, is £17.50. Boo. £17.50. Oh, apparently, available at all garden centres, some Jordan compost, which is good news. It's peat free. <laughs> okay, think about it. It'll be doing the rounds. You watch later on today, people will be texting that. Steve Allen said we bought some Jordan compost at the garden centre the other day. The reason? It's peat free. Okay. Pete, that doesn't matter. There's no point trying to explain it to you. Um, Barbara says, I like being a member of your team. I know, we like having members of our team. In fact, there's more members of our team, Barbara, every day. Gordon Brown talked to us in TV broadcasts last week as if he was a a particularly nasty-tasting medicine, which we had to take because it was good for us. Sean Woodward was dragged out to support Brown on the Euro election coverage. He's been taking the Brown supporters' medicine. Yes, he's also, of course, he defected, you remember, from the Conservatives over to Labour. And he's in the papers today because they're, uh, they're not sure about where one and a half million pounds has gone and whether or not it should have been declared. Seeing as he sold one of his... Oh, good heavens. Do you know who's not been in the papers for days now? And I, and I'm, I've noticed it, and she is noticeable by her absence. Vic Beckham. She's not been in... We haven't seen a picture of her falling over, wearing an inappropriate outfit. You don't think she's having Botox, do you? You don't think she's away having surgery somewhere? Because people have said you're looking a bit too thin. Because she's very unusual. There's never a day goes by... Where there isn't a picture, there's no picture of her. There's no, she's wearing an outfit. There's no, she's flying into Milan. There's no, she's fallen down a manhole cover. There's none of these pictures in the papers. I want to know where they are. But there is a picture of Colleen Rooney, still the woman who goes out shopping for the world and can end up looking like an unmade bed, I'm afraid. I've never seen anybody look so desperately unattractive when you've got that much money. Mind you, can't make a silk... Anyway, uh, Kate and Jerry McCann could lose Clarence Mitchell after their millionaire backers stop paying his wages. They've still got enough money in there. I don't think that uh, that will change at all. Uh, I think, actually, Brian Kennedy, who said that he would support the McCanns, has lost, I think, about 50 million quid, but I think that's from 350 million down to 300 million, so he's not exactly going going, uh, belly up, I'm afraid. Uh, And they say that Mr Mitchell who is said to have taken a salary cut, is now having to be paid out of the Madeline Fund, which is likely to be empty by the end of the year. They've got half a million pounds in there. How can it be empty by the end of the year? They need to, to rein back in, I think, on the McCann's. I don't think that they'll lose Clarence, but, I mean, the man's got to earn a, a living, I suppose. And also, the sports channel, Satanta, could be forced into administration this week. Uh, they say after failing to make payments due on TV rights... Uh, this Irish firm, which showed England's 4-0 World Cup qualifier win away to Kazakhstan on Saturday, is struggling to pay cash owed to football associations, according to a report. They've got about one and a half million customers, but uh, this is well below the 1.9 million they need to break even. So uh, we'll watch that story for you. And, and the drug smuggler. 
who have got spared the death penalty. I don't know why. This is uh, Samantha Orataba, Orabata, I think. Um, She says that the father of her baby is a man who is in prison. He's a Brit called John Watson. And uh, she got pregnant by him to spare herself the death penalty, knowing that she was a convicted drug smuggler. And so she's going to come back to this country where she'll be serving. As far as I'm concerned, I think the uh, I do think the death penalty is a bit harsh. But on the other hand, the misery and the destruction and the chaos that this stupid woman could have administered had her heroin arrived back in this country to heroin addicts would have been almost incalculable. It was something like one and a half pounds of heroin. I wouldn't like to imagine how that would have been cut down and how many addicts would have probably died as a result of it, so perhaps the death penalty would have been the right thing for her. But luckily, not as stupid as we thought she was originally, to be caught with drugs on her, she managed to get herself pregnant, knowing that if you're pregnant, they won't administer the death penalty. She's still coming back to this country over some strange deal that they, uh, they worked out. Daily Star today, Brown is doomed... And uh, apparently Madonna now has her sights set on adopting another child from another African country. Having been blocked in Malawi, a few papers are reporting that she's now turned to Lesotho for a tot. I mean, what is it with this woman? What is it? Why don't you just kind of leave it alone? But obviously she's decided nobody... It's, 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 it's somebody who's, who's got, you know, a very strong head on their shoulder and they've decided that they're going to push for it as uh, as much as possible. And the more people say you can't do it, the more they're going to go, well, I'm going to do it, I'm afraid. The more I'm going to do it. I wonder today whether the topic of conversation will be Gordon Brown and whether or not he will be out by the end of the day. I mean, it'll be... We're running through elections. Like, there's nobody left to, to sort of take over as Prime Minister now, isn't it? Shane. And the one group of people who we should be thinking about today is uh, the thousands of Britain's army of unpaid carers. These are people, and you've seen them on the television, these can be children. I remember seeing a child on there who I think was about 12 years old, this little girl who had to look after her mother and father, both of whom were incapable of looking after themselves, and she, unpaid, got up in the morning, got them dressed, got their breakfast, did everything for them, made sure that everything was right, went off to school, had to come back lunchtime to make sure that they were fed and looked after. And this was a child! There are thousands of these children over the country. The allowance is £53.10 a week. I mean, it is absolutely disgraceful that we don't do anything about this. We should do something about it. These carers are out there. Three out of four admit they felt stretched to their limits by the stress of trying to care for somebody who is ill, frail or disabled. In the case of these children carers, nobody just gives them a second thought. It's only television programmes and radio that highlight exactly what hard work these children do. So if you're one of those people, our thoughts are with you this morning. This is... 26 minutes to 7, Monday morning. Mr Jensen won't be in today as he's young and can't work six days a week. But we do have gossip on him, but not before we've had the rest of the sports news with Phil Kittramalides. Morning, Steve. England's cricketers have put behind them the embarrassment of losing to Holland in the World 2020 by beating Pakistan at the Oval to book a place in the Super 8 stage of the tournament. It was a comfortable victory for the hosts, who ended up winning by 48 runs. Man of the match, Luke Wright, says the side can now try and forget that defeat against the Dutch. It was a tough day um, on that Saturday. Everyone went away. We had a chat a bit later on. And um, I think, you know, a few things were realised, but um, it's how you bounce back from these things. And uh, credit to everyone in the team. Everyone did, you know, did it brilliantly.
Rio Ferdinand's been ruled out of England's World Cup qualifier with Andorra on Wednesday with a calf injury. Gareth Barry suspended for the match at Wembley after he was booked during Saturday's win over Kazakhstan. Roger Federer says he'll never feel pressure again after winning the French Open to complete a full set of Grand Slams. This afternoon, the Aegon Championships get underway at Queen's Club. Top seed Andy Murray doesn't play until tomorrow. And after the excitement at Epsom over the weekend, there are four race meetings later. They go at Folkestone, Newton Abbott, Pontefract, and winter. LBC 97.3 Sport, racing tip next. Right, here it comes. Uh, so Jensen isn't in today because he, he can't. He was off at the racing the other day and apparently mm. he was seen by Alex, who says, I can't tell you what we saw him doing on Friday, but I'll save it for tomorrow when he's back. So I'm hoping we've got photos because I don't know who he went with. His brother. Oh, did he? Yes. Ah, right. Who's the racing driver? Yes. Right. Okay. But he was obviously doing something else, so there must have been other people there as well. I think there was some sort of hospitality involved, so... Oh, fantastic. We'll probably have photos and everything tomorrow. Brilliant. As for the weekend, says uh, Alex, Tracy had a wonderful birthday, jumping up and down on a chair, obviously easily pleased, screaming with delight when See the Stars romped home, carrying a lot of our money, enough for another bottle of champagne. However, Lake Poet... Second out of tenth on Friday, lost £2 for him. Total loss is £32.46. The sports department had a look here. Third out of eighth, lost £2. They're £33.84. If they'd only gone each way, I wish people would take my advice and go each way on these things, because there could have been a bit of money coming in. Monday selection, we're off to the uh, Windsor race meeting. The eight o'clock tonight, Taurus Twins, win only for Alex. Taurus Twins, eight o'clock at Windsor. And you're going to go for? I can't possibly handle losing any more money, so no. I am going to go each way. Uh, Rio Royale, 3.45 at Folkestone. Right. See, it d- didn't take too much to persuade Phil to go each way. No. Sometimes I've been, tr- I've been trying for years on this programme, and people resist, and they don't want to do it, and he just comes straight out with it. I'm going each way, you see? That's what we like. We like honesty. We'll put that on the, on the website. Yep. Thank you, Phil, very much indeed. Phil will be back a little bit later on, just after the news at 7 with Nick Ferrari, who's here for breakfast this morning, fully refreshed after his money. It's so easy to persuade him to go... I don't even need to persuade him to go each way. You notice that? Straight... I'm going each way. You see? I like that. Taken long enough, actually, but to mention to it to his parents and, you know, is it possible he might better do this? We need some money in. 84850, steve at uk. Uh, I've got to save that, haven't I? There's some... Do you know, the one bird that I think is particularly attractive is a puffin. I don't know why. I felt sorry for puffins ever since they featured on a television programme. And I think it was on a, an island. So it might have been Scomer Island. I can't remember. 12,000 of them nest every year. They, all, they, they fly around looking for mates. They're little short, fat things with little, little faces. The trouble is they nest. And what happens is when, when they've, they've had their little egg and it's hatched, they leave the egg and the little thing sitting on the cliff, very precarious. And these little puffins launch themselves off the cliff, dive down to get food, and as they fly back up again with their little tummies full of little fish to feed their thing, big birds, seagulls and the like, pluck them out of the air and make them drop the fish. Or sometimes they actually eat the puffin. God forbid. But they do. So these poor little things who look like they're out of a Disney cartoon are flapping their little wings for all they can go and a little bit of fish in their mouth and these big seagulls are coming down and just plucking this puffin out of the air. I just think little orphan things on the cliffs. I mean, it's, it's like little penguins, isn't it? It's like every year they launch little penguins, I think, off the, off the side of these cliffs, and they bounce onto the ground, and these other birds just come and just pick them up and eat them. Like little terrapins. and t- Oh, it's awful, the things that go on. You think if there's a film crew there that could do something about it. You know, they could actually say, you know, come on, please. Whatever happened to some of the apprentices... 
Lee McQueen won last year, despite a, uh, a predilection for doing dinosaur impressions and embellishing his CV. Uh, he actually said he'd been at a university for two years, whereas, in fact, he dropped out for four months, so a liar there. Called in sick. Uh, but he's uh, still working there as a development director at Amscreen, Sir Alan's digital signage company. In April, it was announced he'd secured his first major deal for the company. We'll see Amscreen's units installed in BP petrol stations. Simon Ambrose uh, is working for Sir Alan's property company, Ams Prop, and is developing a hotel and golf course near Stansted. Michelle Dubery runs uh, her own company, named by herself, a successful business consultant. She's written her autobiography. Who read that? Come on, hands up. Who read it? No, me neither. Timothy Campbell, um, he, he marketed an anti-wrinkle device. He's left to set up Bright Ideas, which aims to give young entrepreneurs a chance to set up a business. So, I mean, kind of so-so, really. Kind of so-so. But Yasmina says, I could have already been a millionaire, but hard graft and little pay taught me true values. So, like, they do come up with rubbish, don't they? They really do half the time. Uh, Susan Boyle has had a, a reuniting with her pussy the other day, Pebbles. So that was nice, wasn't it? Uh, she was taken out in a basket. She travelled back to her home in Blackburn and met the family and her cat. She was missing desperate at a secret address. Remember, she was in the Priory. But luckily, thank goodness, she's actually going to be going on tour. So that's great news. The cat was carried... Was Susan carried out in a basket? Oh, was she? I don't think anybody's going to... Re- no, I think, don't think anybody's going to realise that Susan Boyle was carried out in a basket. I don't think... Do you think there's somebody that stupid out there this morning They might think that Susan... OK, Susan was carried out in a basket, OK? We swung around the net, we whoa, like that. Keep us going. Apparently, wait, th- this is the funny bit in the paper. It says, Su- this is Susan Boyle, OK? This is a woman with learning difficulties, a woman who's just been in for exhaustion, turned down Simon Cowell's offer to manage her. Turned down Simon Cowell's offered a man... Excuse me? This woman knows nothing about the business at all. She turned down... Don't believe it. What a little old rubbish. She's appointed U2's financial guru, Ozzie Kilkenny, who's 62. You see, all they see her as is a money-making machine. It's so sad that she, she doesn't see it like... All she goes, I just want to sing. It's like, you know, little children, just want to dance. Just want to sing. And they go, oh, you could make some money on this. Really? Oh, I don't really... She's already said, apparently, via her brother, you can't shut up now, she's going to give all the money away. I bet in the family are going, I don't think so. I don't think so, dear. That's our pension. So we'll wait and see. But she will do some of the tour. Can't wait to read the reviews. I cannot wait to re- read the reviews. There's a free uh, DVD with the sun today. I never get these things. I never get these free DVDs. I, I really don't. Walking with dinosaurs. There's a joke there somewhere. Uh, Mirror today, it's brown, isn't it? It's brown all over the place. That's what everybody's going to be talking about. It's brown, brown, brown. And um, and this body found in a wheelie bin. And the reason it was found in a wheelie bin is because apparently it was one of these lockdown wheelie bins. The dustman wouldn't move it because it was too heavy. And so they went, oh, we can't move this far too heavy. We can't, can't lift that, even though they've got machines. And it was just a, a normal wheelie-type bin. And... And when they eventually opened it, there was somebody in it. A bit like doing Quincy, isn't it? You know, where was the body? It was in a wheelie bin. What I want to know is how do people get these things in there? You know, you can't stagger it. Somebody's going to see at some point, aren't they? What have you got there? Nothing. You know, you've got somebody slung over your shoulders. You're about to drop them in a wheelie bin. I don't get it at all. And the other question, which the papers are asking this morning... Is with the crash in the Atlantic of that Air France flight 447 and the loss of 288 souls. And where they go to, I've got no idea. You would think 228 people. I mean, 
I hate to sort of bring it down to basics. Are they eaten by sharks or something? Do 228 people float to the surface? Is the plane at the bottom of the ocean with the people still in it? I mean, where is it? Where is the black box? The whole idea of the black box is it's supposed to send out a signal and it transmits electronic data. Where's, where's the black box? Why has nobody come up with a black box? Can they not put a device in there so they can pinpoint it? Because I want to know, if this, if this plane is at the bottom of the ocean and people are still in it, why can't they bring them up? Or, or, do, or do all this debris and all the people there, if it, if it blows up, and we've got no idea at the moment, why can't they stop this happening? In this day and age, why can they not stop this happening? So questions will be asked later on as, as to whether or not it's now possible to have a complete record of a flight transmitted to base en route. So in other words, wherever it is, you can see it on radar... Goodness sake, my father used to work for a missile tracking station in Yorkshire where they could track Russian missiles. If the Russians set off a missile, they could see it on their screen. Sounds like it's a bit out of Doctor Who. Uh, sorry, not Doctor Who, out of, um, out of um, James Bond, you know, where you sit there looking at screens and you can watch your war games, something like that. But that's what it was like. It's a, it was a secret missile tracking station, of which some of it now apparently are able to go and uh, visit... I must do a trip up there one day, actually. I must do a trip. You know, you remember, actually, incidentally, talking of trips, that some time ago I had an accident in my car where I was sitting stationary at traffic lights and, let's just call them a driver, ploughed down the side of the car. Do you realise I'm still waiting for the insurance company to cough up? Still waiting for my excess. Having proved it to them twice that I've got a £700 excess and I paid seven. I'm still waiting for them to cough up. They better start pulling their finger out on this one, because I'm going to start changing my insurance company very shortly and probably advising other people to do this. What's the point of having insurance if they start questioning things? I've never claimed in my life for anything. £700 excess, and they're still faffing around. I tell you, blooming useless these people are. 16 minutes to 7. This is LBC 97.3. So 12 minutes to 10. We talked earlier on about the, uh, the razor blades that cost 5p to make but sell... For £9.72, this is the Gillette Fusion Power. I often wondered how they could afford to get people like David Beckham. And do you remember for Father's Day some years back, they gave him a diamond-encrusted Mac 3 razor, which cost $54,000. And the reason is because you and I are paying for these things. If we stop buying them, you know, then it's an awful lot easier for them to start bringing the price down. So the manufacturing cost of four cartridges... 20 pence. By the time it hits the shops, £9.72. Procter & Gamble say the retailers, rather than manufacturers, set the price paid by the customer. Well, the shop profit margin is £1.90, so it can't be. The Gillette profit margin is £6.28. Somebody's telling fibs somewhere, and I suspect it's Gillette. Why they're so expensive, I've got no idea. Other items that cost 20 pence don't end up being £9.72, do they? 84850stevedlbc.co.uk um, Siobhan in Westbourne Park says... Thank you for your thoughts and prayers on being carers. So many carers out there who get nothing, and it was this programme on the television that, that prompted me to mention it this morning, where you see a child who's having to look after her parents and doing it fantastically, and I think they ended up giving her um, uh, a surprise day out with her friends. I mean, this, you know, they, they, they become adults very quickly, and you read, you know, so many horror stories about young people nowadays, and then you never hear about these... These children who work tirelessly for nothing because that's what they do. Uh, the plane is in 600 feet of water, says Alan. The only thing a black box transmits is a homing signal. Where are the rest of the people? Is it 28 bodies out of 288, I think, that they've, uh, they've done? And you think, where are the rest of them? Are they still in the plane? Can they not remove them? Thank you to all those people who wrote in uh, about yesterday's In Conversation with the irrepressible Barry Cryer. 
Uh, it was repeated last night on LBC. If you want to hear it again, you can podcast it. If you go to lbc.co.uk, you can learn all about podcasting. Very cheap. For as little as £2 a month, you can take them on holiday. You can download hours and hours and hours worth of stuff going back years. In fact, th- this programme goes back years and years. You can download most of them and then take them on holiday. So you've always got something. If you've heard a particularly funny programme or something, we always guarantee at least one laugh in the programme, which isn't too bad for this time of the morning. And there'll be a few more coming later on today. But if you download stuff, it's fantastic. We have happy podcasters with big smiles on their faces all the time. So learn how to podcast. Go to lbc.co.uk. There's all sorts of stuff on there. You can have a laugh at our photos. You can go, I never thought you looked like that. And you can have a look at the old LBC presenter photos and think, my God, you've aged badly. As indeed as it... The funny thing is, I look through pictures and I often wonder if I bump into somebody who I used to know from years ago, whether or not they, they have changed. And, and you look at some of the pictures and you think, I'm not sure if you think I've aged or, or I think you've aged. Uh, reunited, Lennon's son. This is the little girl... Uh, whose uh, nursery school friendship with John Lennon's son, Julian, inspired the song Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Her name's uh, Lucy Voden, and more than 40 years after the song's release, Lucy O'Donnell, as she is now, and Julian Lennon are back in touch. Oh, sure, so she's now Voden after her marriage 13 years ago. Uh, they've been reunited after he heard that she's battling an incurable disease. So she is the famous Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds great, isn't it? My, my brother, I think, went round, was it Paul McCartney's or was it John Lennon's house, which is a National Trust property in Liverpool? And they do this great Beatles trip, and it's amazing how many people wrote in saying, I've done the Beatles trip, and it really is uh, fantastic. You go there and you can go and have a look at the cavern, but it's not the original cavern. It's in a different place, but it, you, you get a, a sort of a rough idea. Uh, there's a story here in the paper today. I, I was going to bring it to you at the beginning of the programme, and I, I left it till the end because it, it was so horrendous. I wanted as many people to hear it as possible. This is uh, a story of a critically ill patient who died after a paramedic, OK, took a detour en route to hospital so he could end his shift. So, in other words, he drove his ambulance to a depot to swap over with another crew, insisting he was already 15 minutes late lock, clock, clocking off. Unfortunately... The diversion added half a mile to the journey and meant that precious minutes that could have been vital in saving Ali Ashgar's life were lost. The driver even failed to notify his replacement that the 69-year-old, who had suffered a stroke, was deteriorating and close to death. So, in other words, he's got somebody in the back who is dying and he thinks, well, a bit overshift here, I'll just drive, drive round the depot, taking a detour... To swap over. Doesn't tell the people take it. Excuse me, I've got somebody who's dying in the back here. The ambulance finally arrived at hospital 35 minutes after the 999 call was made. But unfortunately, Mr Ashgar died of a heart attack soon after he was taken into accident and emergency. I mean, it's absolutely appalling. I mean, this driver should be named... And who is this buffoon who is working as a paramedic? I can tell you it's in Stockton, in Cleveland, to North Tees Hospital. Should have taken ten minutes. 33.3 miles. The delay was reported by the replacement ambulance driver. Director of operations says there was an avoidable delay. How long is irrelevant? It simply shouldn't have happened. It, this person died. This person died in the back of an ambulance. He and a colleague who was treating the patient have been suspended, no doubt on full pay. And perhaps we'll give them a nice holiday in the Caribbean or something. Or send them off somewhere. It's a, absolutely appalling that this can happen. I remember we used to have somebody, not quite on the same, same line, years and years ago, a reporter, and he used to have his shift times, and it would, it would get sort of near the end of the shift, and the, 
the uh, producer of the programme would say, oh, I need you to go out and do this. And he'd go, well, I can't do that. And they'd go, why? And he'd go, well, because I'm off shift in an hour. If I go out there now and do the interview, then bring it back, I can do that in about 40 minutes, but it's going to take me that long to script it, so I can't do it. So he refused point blank to do it. Why on earth we kept this idiot on? I've got no idea. Uh, another one here. Steve, read your motor insurance excess. You should write, You should ask for the name of their claims director. Write to him, stating you'll write to the FSA as a payer of your insurance premium. You're paying for indemnification. That normally gets things going. However, has the third party admitted liability? If so, then there's no reason why you've not been reimbursed. Apparently, it's going to have to go to court. But I had to send them, uh, because I've got this £700 excess, and I, I've paid it. And, um, and the stupid thing is, I then had to get a letter from my bank... And I had to get a copy of the bank statement to prove that I paid the £700 excess and to prove all these other things. And still we're faffing around. And now they're saying, oh, it'll probably have to go to court. And I'm thinking, so I've now got to go to court up the top of England or something, because that's where their insurance company is. Sean, it's, a, it's, it's an absolute nightmare. You'd think that it could be, uh, it could be sorted out quite quickly. I, have, I'm, I might have to write to them and say, excuse me, I'm on the radio every day. If you're not careful, you're going to be featured on the radio every day. Very annoying, isn't it, when these things happen? I wouldn't mind, but I've paid the money. I've been totally upfront, totally honest. The other person, luckily I took photographs of the other person, just in case in court they produce somebody different, because it is possible that this, this might happen. So I took photographs of the driver as he was writing down his name and number. Stupid thing was that the, uh, the driver's boss said, uh, you know, how much do you want for this? I said, about £5,000, I think, would do it. It was then that he went very quiet and said, give me the driver. So we got the driver back again. It was worse than useless, I'm afraid. But you have to... You've, the things you've got to do now... I think mainly because there's so much fraudulent uh, business that goes on with insurance companies. We had a case a short while ago, didn't we? It was in the papers, I mentioned it, of a company who would quite happily arrange for some of their friends... This was an insurance company, one of these claims companies, who would arrange for some of their friends to crash into you so that you could claim insurance money. These crooks are operating all over the place. Happens every day. We had it once where they exposed them on the television and they brought this man into court claiming that he'd been so damaged and paralysed he couldn't speak. And, and it was absolutely so dreadful. Then they actually caught him outside of the court chatting away to everybody and running to his car. So they exposed him as the fraud that indeed he was. But there's tonnes of these fraudulent companies exposed by the newspapers and the televisions who arranged people to have accidents. Last I knew about the accident, well, the first thing I knew about it was when they, the wing mirror disappeared and there was horrible grating sound along the side of the car. But uh, done beautifully uh, at the end of it. But so far, still faffing around. <sighs> Dear. Steve, says Roger, you asked if it was all OK after the transmitter problems yesterday. Well, here in Thailand, you're coming over like that... geezer. Or maybe not 100%. Anyway, he says, keep sticking it for the precious fakes like Halliwell and Jordan and other old hags. By the way, 35 degrees and sunny here, but there's a monsoon on the way. How lovely. A monsoon. Oh, crikey. Uh, 84850. Uh, there is a child carer society, says Giles. I'll check that out before I mention it. I don't like to offer any uh, websites that we haven't checked out first. Because these, these poor child carers... They don't complain about it. They just get on with it, and they just do it. And they do it very, very well indeed. And occasionally somebody makes a television programme on them, and then we all go, oh, that's nice. Oh, Michael Jackson's in the paper. How many concerts do you think he's going to be doing? I reckon they're going to cancel more. I've just got this feeling that, you know, we're not going to get as many concerts as we, as we think we're going to get. Started off with 50, probably down to about 20 by the end of the year. Listen, that's it for this morning. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. I wish you a very pleasant Monday. I hope the weather stays kind, well, at least for this morning. Nick Ferrari is with you after the news, which is next. I'm back tomorrow. Don't forget to check out the blog, lbc.co.uk.